0: You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado.
1: In the name of Jesus, amen. A very wise pastor once told me, after hearing one of my long-winded sermons, he said, You know, Brian, the people don't need to hear about the counsel of God, the whole counsel of God, every time you step up into the pulpit. And he was right. But lucky for you today, Jesus wants to tell you about... Exactly, the counsel of God. So it's a treat. (laughs) Now, Isabel and Emily, having been baptized into the Christian faith, there are answered for you today two questions by your Lord Jesus. The two questions are, what does God think about me, and how do I find out? These two questions consume the minds of people everywhere. Whether or not they're Christians, and whether they really dwell on These questions are not. Still, they're asking them in their lives and their actions because they drive the practices of pagan religions. They define the various spiritualities in the world that are grasping for some sort of transcendence. And they push people to wonder about the meaning of life. And even despite the fact that Jesus gives very clear answers to these questions in the gospel lesson today, you'll hear your Christian friend's voice, their uncertainty, by saying something like, uh, you know, I don't know what God's plan is for me in this life. So this is where it gets really tricky, because many Christians perceive that the Holy Spirit reveals the mind of God, but they're unsure of how or where this takes place. They're even unsure of what the Holy Spirit might tell them. And so when tragedy, sickness, or, or death afflicts them, two things usually happen. Either they'll turn inward and gaze into their, their own souls and wait for a secret whisper from the Holy Spirit, or they'll gaze outward and look at the clouds, the trees, the, the grounds on the bottom of their coffee mug, and expect a sign from the Holy Ghost there. This is not what Jesus wants for His saints. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will glorify Me, and He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. This means, dear saints, that the Holy Spirit is bound to Jesus and His Word and His promise. That's where He is and that's where you'll find Him. He glorifies Jesus' words and works in history. The same works that tell you what your Heavenly Father thinks about you. That's why it's so important for us to hear about the Spirit's threefold work today. That he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Because when you know these three things, you know the very mind of God. And so let's start by asking the bold question, How do I learn about what God thinks about me? Now, if we do take the time to look into our own hearts, if we look into our own souls, really the only thing you're getting is a glimpse of yourself and what you think of yourself at that very moment. If you're prideful and conceited, you'll likely see a rosy image of yourself staring back at you. It'll be, you know, the muscular version of yourself who's good looking. <laughs> or if you're struggling with depression and guilt, you'll see a version of yourself that looks back at you that that isn't very, isn't very appealing, right? And so as a result, you're condemning yourself as worthless. Now, both of these things are temptations from the devil to judge yourself by your own standards, to put yourself into the judge's seat, and to pronounce a verdict upon yourself of either innocent or guilty. Either one, strangely enough, is the same sin. The sin of judging yourself. And it can take the form of either pride or despair. Now, when you look outside of yourself to discover what God thinks about you, things don't get much better. Because you'll see a world that's been crafted by someone who's incredibly more powerful than yourself, more wise. But his creation is crumbling. It's filled with sick and dying people. Which means that you realize that God is both awesome and angry. And before your baptism, this is this is as far as your reason or strength could take you. It could take you to, to perceive that there is a God... But he demands both your awe and your terror. But now to 12 men who have been following their teacher from Galilee comes a different kind of vision of heaven, a heavenly promise even. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The God that the world cannot see, who is hidden from their eyes, this God is revealed and made manifest through Jesus and is made known to you today through his Holy Spirit. This helper, this comforter, who guided these twelve men into all truth, just as their Lord had said. And though Jesus would be removed from his disciples' physical eyes, he never left his apostles. He inspired them with his Holy Spirit so that they could could preach the scriptures that build up the church. And this is the advantage of Jesus' ascension to the Father's right hand. Jesus entered into glory so that he could be nearer to his flock than they could ever be near to him during his earthly ministry. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples received boldness from the Spirit to preach so that you could be baptized, absolved, to be comforted with the forgiveness of sins and victory over the grave. These are the treasures that Jesus has obtained through His cross and His resurrection. And when you hear the preaching of Jesus' work, Jesus promises that the Spirit will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Lord's treasures, Jesus' treasures, are now yours at this very moment. And when you receive these treasures of cross and resurrection, you obtain the answers to the questions, What does God think about me, and how do I find out? It's because through Jesus' Spirit-filled word you are given access to a heavenly counsel. Where you discover the mind of a triune God. And you hear the precious conversation between a father who in love sent his son into the flesh to die for your sins. And you hear this same resurrected son advocating for you at his father's right hand. And proceeding from this father and this son is the Holy Spirit who works faith in your hearts to lay a hold of, and to grasp Jesus' treasures. There is no greater vision of heaven that men can have. And this is what you have in your baptism. It is your inheritance. It's a confession of faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. Now, Martin Luther exclaimed when he was preaching on this same text that there is no greater or precious message that could be delivered to the saints. And it's true. Because this text lays bare the central article of the Christian faith, which of course you know is justification. And it is made known to us through the Spirit's threefold work of sin, of convicting the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. And so I'm going to say a few things on each of these. First, what does it mean that the Spirit convicts the world of sin? In some ways this sounds a bit funny because... Everybody knows, at least to some extent, that they're sinners. And if you're not sure about that, ask your kids or your parents. (laughs) And so prevalent is this knowledge that every sort of worldly spirituality or philosophy tries to figure out ways to make up for this problem, this problem of sin. Which, ironically enough, you know, there are philosophies and spiritualities out there that will say, well, you've got brokenness, you know, or problems. You don't have sins, per se. But the whole goal of their spirituality or philosophy is to make up for that brokenness. They just won't call sin a sin. And so they invite you to uh, enter into a desperate struggle to fix your life from the inside out, right? And then after you fixed yourself, you can fix the world around you. You're told that if you could get over your greed, then your philanthropy might help other people to get by. You're told that if you only had a little more compassion and empathy, then bigotry in your community can be overcome. You're told that if you had a little more faith, then God would bless you with all kinds of things. A promotion at work, inner peace, a deeper relationship with your family and even with God Himself. And sure, you're told to figure out what is wrong with your life, to fix it, and then things will turn out completely better. But this is the false religion of this world, and it's the religion of the law that demands the sacrifice of your man-made works. It perpetuates the delusion that you can fix this fallen world as if you had the strength to do it, and if only you tried hard enough. It never gets to the bottom of the problem. It never gets to the heart of it. The problem isn't that we don't try hard enough. The cold truth is that we're guilty of the one sin that gives birth to every single sin that comes after it. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin because they do not believe in me. Notice that he doesn't say that they don't believe hard enough in me or they don't have enough faith in me. It's that they don't believe in me, period. Every single person has failed at keeping the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. This was Adam and Eve's sin. It's Pastor Wolfmuller's sin. It's my sin. And it's your sin. Every sin, whether it's not waking up in time to go to church, or hating your brother, or cheating on your wife, or greed, and every attempt to make up for these sins with your works is a sin against faith. It's unbelief in the one true God. The Spirit preaches the law so that you can be found guilty. (laughs) And He convicts you so that you're left without an excuse and nowhere to run. Now, what about being convicted of righteousness? What could this mean? Thanks be to God, this isn't your righteousness. It's Jesus' righteousness. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will convict your hearts. With the gospel. He says that he will give you the treasures of forgiveness and life. When the, as they are pronounced from the throne of God in heaven. This is the righteousness of which St. Paul writes. When he says, but now the righteousness of God has been made manifest apart from the law. Apart from the law. Although the law and prophets bear witness to, to it. The righteousness of God through faith. I don't know any better way to, to explain this kind of righteousness, any other sort of eloquent words to put it, so I'll just give it to you straight. You're found innocent and blameless in the sight of God because you have been covered with Jesus' perfect righteousness. It's true that you cannot fear love and trust in God with your own strength, but as a gift, as a treasure obtained through Jesus' blood and made available through His ascension now to the Father's right hand, you are announced and proclaimed and promised to be righteous. This is what the Holy Spirit gives you through the Word. He gives you the faith to cling to Jesus' righteousness, not to rule. And this is why it's so comforting to hear that Jesus says, the Spirit will convict the world concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Now imagine being the disciples On the night of Jesus' betrayal, he says, I'm going to the Father, I'm going to leave you alone. And they're terrified, and they're sad. They think to themselves, how can this be for us righteousness? Jesus being apart from us, so that we don't see him anymore. But when the Spirit of truth came, when the Spirit of truth led them into all truth, they discovered, and then they also preached That Jesus being at the Father's right hand is your highest good. St. John writes, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is at the Father's right hand. So that you can receive everything that he has obtained through his life, death, and resurrection. And if you were not there, then you could not have these great treasures. Finally, Jesus says, The Spirit convicts this world concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, if the conviction concerning righteousness is the heart and the origin of your holy Christian faith, then this conviction concerning judgment is your comfort. Especially when you're attacked by Satan his demons and this unbelieving world. Though the Council of Heaven pronounces you righteous and delivers this righteousness to you through your baptism, Satan has set up his own mock council here upon this earth that calls Christians the most wicked and heinous human beings to walk the planet. It's true. Take a moment and think about it. You're called full of hate because you do not love the progressive definition of marriage. You're condemned to death, and many of your brothers and sisters die for confessing the faith because they do not enter into slavery under Allah. You're even called by other Christians to be enemies of the faith. Do you know why? It's because you cling to a righteousness That uh the counts in the heaven that counts in the courts of heaven apart from works. That's unthinkable to other Christians. They have to have their works a part of it somehow. And so they'll look at you and call you enemies of the faith. But take comfort. You know the mind of God. You know the judgment of God. Satan and his demons are judged. They're cast out of heaven's courts so that you can enter freely there as a brother and sister of Christ, wearing His righteousness in faith. The condemning voices of this world are also judged, because they have not listened to the Spirit as He convicted them of both sin and true righteousness. And though you are attacked and made to suffer hatred and death, you possess in faith all of Jesus' treasures. The Spirit gives them to you. You have everything that belongs to Jesus, which means that you have everything that belongs to the Father. An unfathomable love that will vindicate you on the day when Jesus returns in glory to vindicate your faith with the crown of life. Emily and Isabel, this is your dear inheritance today in baptism. It's a gift that is now started. It continues through faith and will being brought to completion on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.